that's why I think it's a really big miss from American fans perspective to just be like, ah, it's Europeans or it's Commonwealth. Like that doesn't matter to me. It's like, first off, we're always very hesitant because we want to be respectful of the athletes and their accomplishments. And I feel like, you know, there's a certain balance, but the speculation is really fun. And it's something that you would do in basketball and baseball yeah. and every other sport in the world. But in track, it's kind of like, we don't do it as much. I think Shrika Jackson is going to break the 200 meter world record before this season is up. I, th I think she's going to do it. I'm always happy to have these conversations and, you know, speaking with athletes after they have an amazing life-changing performance, like that's a blessing. That's something that I get a lot of excitement about doing. You got to operate under this idea of, you know, you can't, if, if you ever take a few days off in a row, then it becomes acceptable to take days off. I'm Aaron, a.k.a. Super Hot Pots, here with the brother from another mother, Anderson Imrel. Y'all might know him from the final leg and track and field black history. You're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black, two A lot of y'all are probably listening to this and you're like, yo, you're probably clicking off. You're like, yo, where's Joshua at? Well, Joshua got his wisdom teeth pulled. I told him he wasn't going to be able to do the podcast. He persisted and he wasn't able to do it still. So I was able to hop in and get our boy Anderson to come through from the final leg. Track and field, Black History. Anderson, I appreciate you filling in. How are you doing, bro? Doing amazing, man. Glad to be able to jump in. Shout out to Joshua. Getting well soon, hopefully. The wisdom teeth, I know it's rough, but yeah, glad to be here to jump in for a great podcast, man. Yeah, last time, well, I didn't get to do the podcast with you last time because I had COVID. Now Joshua's out, so happy that we, we, get, we get to connect and have some time together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But let's roll into it. Let me introduce our guests. Y'all might know him from Twitter. Y'all might know him from the lab count, or we could take it back. Y'all know him from the real main victory lap. But wait, 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 wait. Oh yeah, City Smag as well, but wait, wait, let's not forget, man. My guy we got on today, four by 800 world record holder, indoor DMR world record holder, IAAF world relays DMR champion, A, former American collegiate 1500 meter record holder, 335, 39. Don't forget about that, Columbia legend. Y'all might know him from Hoka. Two-time Falmouth Mile champion. He's a dad, he's married. <laughs> Come on now, Kyle Merbert, the legend, joining us today. Kyle, how's it going? How are you doing, man? What an introduction. I mean, the, Josh's gotta watch out, because I think you you got this from here now. I really just I really had to like uh, put that on my back for the team without Joshua here. I had to bring extra energy. But Kyle, man, when we got we got you on the call. You have a lot going on in your life. A just lot. came back from wow. World Champs. Like, bro, how do you, how are you balancing all all of it, man? There's a lot going on in the track and field world too. I'm just burning the candle at every end, uh, but. You know, I'm loving it and it's a lot of fun. So you find the energy to do it. You know, I know I was a little late because the nine to five was just finishing up, but um, it, you, this is a passion game, right? Like you guys know it. And 
I'm, I'm just doing it for the love of it. Most definitely. That that's definitely what pushes you through. And Anderson, same, same with you. I don't know everything you have going on with, with your life and everything, but how do you balance everything you have going on? Cause you have the two, you have the final leg and you have track and field black history as well. And you're a, you're a one man show. Like, how do you do all that, bro? Yeah. Rocking it. Just like Kyle said, I mean, I'm working the nine to five life as well. I'm like dipping in and out of work to, to create content, but yeah, it's, it's passion. I think we're all in it for the love of track and field. We just love the sport. So yeah, we're working, we're working. We're not in it for the money here, all right? <laughs> no, not 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 really. I mean, we 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 want we want to make money while we're doing it though, so we can so we can do things, so we can do things is important. But one thing, all three of us were all at World Champs. You know, at the end of World Champs, I came down with COVID, so I didn't even get to really enjoy the last two days. I did get to see Sydney run, but Kyle, what was the first thing you did after World Champs? Did you have any time to really? recover i mean it's funny because the world champs we were staying two blocks away and so we just walked from our house to the stadium to the house to the stadium ordering in food i didn't do anything besides i feel like work during those 10 days and when i got home i don't know how i didn't get covid especially with the number of guests that we had coming through the house for the Sidious mag live show um but i was just so exhausted and but like also so full you know like yeah i felt satisfied in a way and you know something i think that a lot of us probably planned for a really long time having the world champs on home soil finally and that you know i know for you guys probably similarly like that was a really big opportunity for us and our individual brands and what we're trying to do and so from a you know the passion project it was a really important pivotal moment for us Nice. Curious, how did you kind of like balance that coming in knowing this is the world championships on U.S. soil, right? And you have so many different projects and so many things you'll be working on. What was that mindset going into it? Yeah, I mean, first off, like I have two partners in crime. Uh, One, you know, the obvious one would be maybe Chris. Like Chavez is, uh, he's a workhorse and he's got big visions and he you know, it continues to push us, you know, and those that work at Sidious. And then the other is my wife, like, thank God for her, because um, like, that's a, it's a serious sacrifice to go out there for 10 days away from the family and just say, I'm going to work 24 seven. And that's, it's a vision thing. Like we're, and something that we have to keep saying is like, we're not trying to just create content for today and tomorrow. Like we have to think long-term, like, where do we want this thing to go in the future? And I think for us, at Sidious. And for me personally, a lot of what we did at Worlds was proof of concept. And it was showing Mm -hmm. that what we're capable of, and hopefully we can take that to more meets in the future and bring that same level of coverage that we did at Worlds, you know, across the boards. That way it's not just a special occasion, maybe once every year. I definitely think what you all are doing is, yeah, proof of concept, but you're providing something that's valuable, something that's not in the market yet you're getting information and you're feeling like you're a part of you feel like you're a part of a movement and you're also getting this inside scoop that we're not really seeing we're not really seeing athletes in the settings where they're so laid back we see it in a lot of different sports but track is always a little bit behind but me and joshua talk about that a lot too like providing something valuable and different that's just 
not really in the market yet. What's interesting for you, Kyle, though, is that you're coming from it from being like at that pro at that pro level, being at those big meets. You were at World Relays, you know, like what was what was what's tougher being working media for 10 days straight or just the anxiety of knowing you got the biggest race of your life? Yeah, it's a little different. I would say, you know, from a stress anxiety standpoint, being an athlete, and that's something that people don't appreciate enough in the outside world. It's just like, oh, it's like, you know, you get to sit around and watch TV and, you know, you go for a run for an hour and like, that's your day. It's like, no, like the mental burden, the emotional highs and lows, um, it's, it really will take a toll on you. Whereas I'm a people person and I'm, I'm always happy to have these conversations and, you know, speaking with athletes after they, have an amazing life-changing performance. Like that's a blessing. That's something that I get a lot of excitement about doing. Um, and so, you know, I do think my experience as an athlete does guide those conversations a lot. And I think something that you guys do a really excellent job of as well is like, we have to continue to elevate the sport rather than dumbing it down. And it's like, you know, explaining how, long it takes to get like a track is 400 meters go out to your local it's like no 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 like there's high level stuff and analysis that can be done about the sport and there's history to the sport mm -hmm. you know Anderson, i know you know that and it's like let's let's lean into this a little bit more and make it seem cool to those who, who you know are kind of right on that fringe that we're trying to get them to gravitate and dive a little bit deeper and so you know i always say to you know of course very biased but like if you like watching the olympics and you just don't know where to start next. Like, what do I do in between those four years? It's like, just follow cities. Like, I'll tell you what's important and like, we'll get you excited. And, you know, over time you'll become an expert. Yeah. And one thing, you know, that's exciting that you've been training for a little bit, Falmouth road race you have coming up. You're, I think you might be the fastest, the fastest, uh, like pro that retired that's still running. Like, well, yeah, you, so you, you, you went great. You running seven mile tempos. Like not a lot of people running seven mile tempos after they, after they retired, bro. I think, I think, uh, Kier D'Amato is still going to kick my ass this weekend. Um, but like, you know, I've been two years retired now, but like, why give up that superpower? Like we worked really, really hard for a long time to try to be one of the fastest in the world. And then you retire and you're just going to give it back. Like, you still want to flex those muscles every now and then. And I feel like you got to operate under this idea of, you know, you can't, if, if you ever take a few days off in a row, then it becomes acceptable to take days off. Mm. And so, you know, I don't want and then all of a sudden, like you wake up one day and you can't do it anymore. So I, I wanted to stay in touch with it and it ebbs and flows. Sometimes I get excited about running. The weather is nice. Friends are running. I'll do it. Other times it's like, I don't have time. Like we're going to jog 30 minutes at night. I definitely feel like I've lost all the superpowers that I have. Well, actually, no, no, I'm not going to say go. that. I'm not going to say all of the superpowers. Like, you know, yeah. like it's you right can, there. You, you've seen stranger things. They could come back. You can, like you can pull the 11. Yeah, go get it. <laughs> you, you never know. Really. Go talk to Papa. <laughs> for real pops pops my pops is is papa for sure like that's how it was training with him growing up too so that that makes a lot of sense but also do you feel like 
I mean, I feel like when you were when you were running, man, you were always doing cool stuff from like the Twitter, being on Diestat. I was watching, I watched you in Real Maine, like when I was in college, and kids all don't know things. about that, huh? Kids don't know about the Real Maine. Anderson, were you were you a Real Maine guy? Did you know about it? I I knew about it. I I was like even I don't know before that. I knew you were like you did some things with like Eric Van Egan and like Riley Masters. I think like yeah, yeah, that's it. That's- back. That's the doc. Um, you can't find it anywhere anymore. It's just like, I feel like it's an urban legend talked about like amongst, you know, 29, 30 year olds. And, but like a, a kid coming up in high school today, they would have no idea what it is and not be able to watch it. Do you feel like track and field? I mean, it's only been two years, but do you feel like there has been a big shift in like the way track and field is presented since you stepped away from the sport? Um. I do think in many ways, like the coverage is getting better and better. I know that we complain a lot and I do think it's starting to work. Um, Like I'm watching the European championships, like the coverage is amazing. Like there is a way to do it. And something we don't, we complain a lot. And I collectively, like we as runners, like we love complaining, like we're going to go out and run 20 miles and we'll complain every step of the way and then talk about it forever. Um, But we don't necessarily ever give praise out too easily, but the diamond league, is really fun to watch now, right? Like that's great two hours of television. They really present everything. I know it's hard to balance when there's, you know, 42 events or something in track and field, but you sit down, I think you could show a casual fan two hours of the Monaco Diamond League and they'll be happy that they sat down to watch. And this is a, this is, I really want to talk about this a lot on the podcast too. And I think this really applies to Anderson because Anderson, I feel like you do a great job of like, globalization of the sport like you're talking to the nigerian athletes that someone may not know and like kyle you're you're telling everyone yo go watch common watch commonwealth watch european championships how do you two think like is it possible like how do we capitalize off of the globalization of the sport because like i'm right now i'm jealous that i'm not in europe like europe is they had commonwealth they had euros they have the diamond league like if I was out there going to every meet, that that's like almost having like the NFL playoffs right there in your backyard. Yeah. I mean, look at those crowds, right? Like yeah. ridiculous, the Commonwealth and both Europeans. And, you know, I think that it's something for us to aspire to, but, you know, the sport is in Europe. And I think the talent isn't necessarily exclusively in Europe. You know, it's funny watching, I mean, Anderson, you can, I don't know how much you want to talk on this, but like, it's kind of funny watching European sprints and just like <laughs> the times it's like that, that gets a medal these days. And it's just like, if you take the U S and Jamaica out of it, all of a sudden it really opens things up. Uh, yeah. I mean, that it's exactly right. Right. Where you see Europeans and, you know, Marcel Jacobs, he's of course the Olympic champion, but you know, everyone kind of behind him was not hitting some some of those hot times. Ten thirteen, yeah, I think ten thirteen won a medal, right? I can't run ten thirteen, so who am I to say? But like, I guess you know that it, it's just that it's so commonplace now to see like I mean Fred runs nine seven in prelims, so um, you know I I do think that the fans are there, and I do like we have to clap up the European fans like they are showing up, but. We need that. We need the Americans there too, right? Like, is that entertaining though? Yeah. Like, are you entertained by watching Lamont Jacobs run like ten flat and win this race? Like, d- 
does do you have to look at the time anderson like is that something we can still be like you know hyped about and have like a story that people will want to latch on to i mean we don't maybe we don't even need to look at the times but I think what draws the fans out, especially in these big European meets, the Diamond League, the European Championships, Commonwealth is like the matchups and the head to heads and things like that, right? Where, you know, they're coming out to see someone run 10 flat because it's like, that's my athlete. And I know they're going up against this other athlete, right? Um, even at um, at World Championships, right? The, the men's 100 meter final wasn't that fast, but the competition was like, you know, we had the Americans finishing top three and it was like the head to head. So I, I think that could really help to draw a lot of fans out. But I think Europeans kind of really do highlight in. It's kind of good, like in terms of developing of stars, because mm -hmm. like the American sprinters and the Jamaican sprinters have made it really hard for anyone else to get a piece of the limelight. And, you know, this is a I think having these segmented races like commonwealth and europeans and you know even just paying attention to some of the other area championships which we we don't give enough credence to which maybe we should like you know the all Af the african games and asian and yeah you know, and pan am yep it's like those are still like we always talk about the team like oh we need more teams in track and field right like where we need dual meets and it's like we kind of have it and we're choosing yeah. Too many people choose not to get into it. And that's why I think it's a really big miss from American fans perspective to just be like, ah, it's Europeans or it's Commonwealth. Like that doesn't matter to me. It's like, first off, like the, if you'll go watch like a local high school state meet, like, you know, who's running way faster, like the Commonwealth champs, um, but they care so much, like there's so much pride and that's what makes it really good. And I could watch, you know, a soccer match between two diehard clubs in the English Premier League that, you know, they're really invested in and I'll become invested in just because, like, that's the beauty of competitive sports. The best track meet I've ever been to is, like, Junior Olympics growing up. Mm -hmm. Those track meets are so, so hype. So hype. We have people in the in the stands, like, singing songs and everything. Everyone has their chants. But I was going to ask you, Kyle, U23 champion, NACAC, you know, like. Yeah. You did your research. You went deep. I went deep, but that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dang, like Euros is really like they're hyping up their area championship. But for us this year, we got Evan. We got Evan Yeager going. We got um, homie in the Josh Thompson going Josh in Thompson, the 15. Johnny Gregory like, in the 15. Brittany yeah, Shamir is racing like. Do you know where we can watch it? Because I think that's part. Of, I mean, that's true. I that's fact. No idea. I've been looking everywhere. I've asked around. I don't know if it's even online anywhere. Whereas you compare it to Europeans, and it's like, you know, Eurovision's coverage of it. The website's so easy, and like watching if you miss it because you don't know how the the time difference works. The replays are so easy to watch. Like, it just. And I think that's what we saw at the world championships and part of the reasons why TV ratings was so high was it was just the right time of day. It was really accessible as the right network. And that's like the constant issue with track and field is people want to watch it. And the Olympics, you know, when you can watch it and the world champs this year in the U S you knew how to watch it. And in the Commonwealth games and the European championships, like their fans know how to watch it. But then you get to Diamond League and it's like here Thursday afternoon 
in the middle of a work day and you have to pull up Peacock. It's like no one yeah. is watching that except like us. Like the three of us are the only viewers in the United <laughs> States. Yeah. I just wish, like I, th- I think about all this and I'm like, man, there's all these area championships that I don't really know about, but at least like Euros, I'm like, this is the first time I've ever been interested in like watching them ever. And then NACX coming up and like, I'm like, dude, I think that would be dope. Like if somehow we could have some energy around that meet. It's like, it's in the Bahamas too. Like that's pretty cool. What was it like your experience going to that meet too? That had to be, that had to be fun. Be fun. Well, I mean, going to the Bahamas for the world relays was wild. I mean, the fans, are, they make it. They like having really good fans, like it brings the energy to it. And I think you could have, a meet anywhere in the world. And if you put, you know, 50,000 people in the stands going wild, it doesn't even matter who's lining up. Like, and that's what, you know, the junior Olympics does a really good job of like the amount of parents that are there sporting um, is, is really great. But I do think like you make a good point, uh, you know, Anderson, I guess, you know, I know obviously you probably cover Nigeria and others at African champs. Like, is that as hype as Europeans is like, I, I'd imagine like, Kenya and Ethiopia battling out in yeah. a five-day, but watching it, I don't, I don't know where to watch it. It's not as easy as your your champs has been. Yeah, I mean, I think like African Championships probably is similar to to NACAC, where you have like a huge contingent from like Kenya, Ethiopia, like you said, and some other countries, but it's not nearly as accessible. Um, I think it's just the nature of the sport to a degree. Like you said, a lot of the sport is really focused in in Europe and. Yeah. You know, a lot of these other, you know, continents, right? They don't promote the sport as much or give as much access. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. Like NACAC, we, like we said, we have so many top athletes competing there and we want to be able to see it. But how can we get that access and promote it to the world? Yeah. So I ran the Pan Am games and I think technically Pan Ams is probably the equivalent of Europeans. Um, and but like, you know, that's run i'd have to check that out but like that's run by the ioc and it was in toronto and that it was like it was real like there's the whole athlete village and you know the dining hall and the games it was like you were attending what i imagined the olympics would be if it was you know a third of the countries um but you know no one in the u.s paid attention or cared but canada cared a ton because it was on home soil um and so i do think that there's this element of like home field like you know and you know it, it you you turn up when it's in your home country right and like we saw that at the world champs all of a sudden we're like world champs like let's go and like i've never seen as much enthusiasm from the media of the u.s you know this year compared to the past kyle you tweeted like the other day about are you it was either in that you tweeted or it was on lab count but you're talking about how like at road races the participants you know race alongside the pros when i was a kid me and joshua this was the best actually this is the best track meet i ever went to it was at the home depot center in carson and we the club kids we got to run a four by one and like the pros were were racing that day like allison felix raced that day someone someone set a world record a kenyan in like the 5k and then bow wow performed afterwards and we were on the track while bow wow perform kids were going crazy like it was it was amazing like 
he Lil Bow Wow at the time? Little Bow, Little Bow Wow. Wow. And then you know Zero from Holes? That's his cousin or something. And he was he was up there rapping too. This was the this is the best. I was like, this is so random, but I'm like, man, like we need to do stuff like that more. Something to where it's either bringing kids in to participate because that brings the parents, or even at club meets when they have the parent relays, people running like the four by one. That's like the funnest part of the event. Can we Sidious, like, can we see y'all do something like that? I mean, we can try. I mean, that's something that the European meets do really well um, in terms of like incorporating the youth athletes into the pros. And then afterwards, you've got, you know, them all hanging around, ask for autographs, and it, it makes it feel like you're actually in a professional sport. But that's, I mean, I guess to what you were saying that I mentioned in the lap count was that road racing is really unique. Like you are legitimately on the line racing against the best in the world which is really cool you know think of the new york city marathon and who you get to you you get to sign up to race against but the thing is like you're not actually able to appreciate how fast they are because you see them take off and that's the end of it and so that was kind of my call to action of like we need more track meets associated with road races like we Mm. we're gonna have you know fifty thousand people show up to watch this or to participate in this road race, why do we not use that to showcase the track athletes in that same venue or, you know, like alongside it the day before. And I do think Thelma does a really good job of that. And, you know, also like we always are looking for funding for track athletes, like to throw out like a one-off community mile, you know, you're, you're relying on all the fans showing up to pay for it. But if there's a road race, you know, they've got deeper pockets. How much were you thinking about these things when you were, you know, when you were professional training? I know you put on track meets and stuff at Hoka, but this this is stuff you always thought about. Yeah, well, I mean, that was part of the motivation for putting on the Long Island Mile for five years was that I wanted my hometown to get connected with the pro side of the sport. And, you know, I think now, today, we probably have deeper roots on Long Island that follow pros and know that that whole world exists. No, that's, yeah, that's pretty dope. Like creating a culture in the city that you, that you grew up in, you know, you can't really, that's something I would love to love to do too. Me and Josh were trying to put on a turkey trot. Got yeah. denied though, but. Permits? Oh, yeah, man. permits. The, the guy was low-key, it's low-key a hater, bro. Like to be honest, yeah. emailed this guy so <laughs> I tried last year, tried again this year, and he's like, oh, it's not open. And there's only, you need so much time ahead of like building something like that. How were you even able to balance that? Like while you were trying to train professionally too, being just, a meet director. I always just ended up running a little bit worse than I, I thought I could because so tired. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's like the grassroots stuff is really fun. Um, I think that you need to see it tangibly, like you want people to really experience firsthand. And so, you know, I think jumping back a little bit to what we're saying about how, you know, the sport is in many ways in Europe, something that I constantly take issue with is that we just keep putting more and more meets only in Europe, because, you know, we know the fans are there, but like, look, the the Chinese Diamond League meets got canceled. And then we had an opportunity to put a new Diamond League meet anywhere in the world. And where do we put it? Poland. And it's like, like, why? We already already have it. Like, we're good there. Like, let's develop the sport elsewhere. Let's put it somewhere. I mean, 
why is there no um, diamond league meet in Africa? Like you don't think you don't think Nigeria would show up for it if Toby came back and ran a, a 100 hurdles race in Nigeria? Right. Like, exactly. I saw I saw them going off on Twitter. Like, there's plenty of Nigerian track fans. Like, <laughs> I think we could fill a stadium there. Absolutely. Even like New York. I mean, New York used to be a diamond league, and they just brought back the New York Grand Prix. Why isn't why wasn't that a diamond league this year? Right after the the two meets got canceled. So, yeah, there's opportunities. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, specifically in New York, I will say, and this is this is a greater issue in like the U.S. as a whole. And we we, I say it jokingly, half jokingly, but it's like, oh, everything's always in Eugene. Like we're just going to go back to Eugene again and again and again. But the truth is, is that there aren't many facilities in the whole of the United States that are set up to host a world class tracking. There's like very far few between, and unfortunately a few of them are in the South where you definitely do not want to host anything 1500 or longer, or let alone be sitting uh, in the stands for a couple hours, you know, in July, August. And, and so there is just a limitation to that. And New York, you know, Icon Stadium is one of the few that are set up as a track specific stadium that would be able to host Diamond League, but it's impossible for it. Like there's no public train, there's buses, from parts of the city but it's not easy to get to the driving there is really tough and so um unless you have really exceptional exceptional fields like even in new york it is it is tougher to fill than i think you would have expected in theory what do y'all think about like i've been feeling i've been feeling like i've seen a lot of hate towards the worlds man people keep on posting euros or commonwealth and they're like the stands are so much more filled here like someone was trying to tell me that the the stands at the junior olympics were more filled than that at I thought it was amazing I don't know like yeah I think everyone saw like day one of like the decathlon on like Monday morning or something and was like this is a flop and it's like I don't know look at the other days it went crazy yeah I don't know I, I even remember like the very first night the it was like the mixed four by four final I mean I know Allison Felix was running but that was the first night I was like there are people here like it was super loud like to me it felt like the meet was amazing regardless so I don't know no, I, I agree. Like I had such a, I had such an amazing time and like, I felt like the fans were very into it. That was definitely like the loudest clap I ever heard for field events ever to like, it was crazy. So I'm just seeing like, yeah, it's just a noisy one. I'm seeing people like, oh, like it's just all the people in Europe. They're so used to having, having everything that they're, we're a little upset that we had it, that we had it here, but it, it would be nice problems, right? Like it's yeah. <laughs> Europe's got us on that. It's a little easier to get around, yeah. uh, which, you know, we, they had a nice head start, but we, we, we could have an opportunity to learn from them a little bit more, but no, it's, it's tough to get to Eugene and um, you know, there's been a lot of meets there, but I would not say the world champs is an example. Like I thought the world champs was a huge success. I thought it was yeah. excellent. And I, I think even just like, maybe the world champs shouldn't necessarily be compared to previous world championships or other championships necessarily. Right. Like this is the first time we have world champs in the United States and the experience there for fans, for, for everybody, I think it was amazing. And this is like a building off point, right. The next time we'll, you know, Olympics coming in 2028, of course, but you know, a lot of different meets, this is what sets the, you know, the barrier for it. What do you guys think of the 10 day schedule? I know that I have like my few things I harp on constantly. And I just thought 10 days is so unnecessarily long. And, you know, you, 
you see them condense it in other major championships like commonwealth is in 10 days and they they have i think more paralympic events in there too and so i, I just felt like by day six um, it's like all right enough of the track and field like and if oh. I'm feeling that, then I know the casual fan is. And I think you should be able to fly across the country and pay if you're going to fly across and pay what you have to pay to be there. Then you don't have to choose between do I want to watch 100 final or the 200 final? You should be able to see both. Yeah, like I didn't even make it all 10 days, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a day eight. And I even before I mean, this is probably because I had COVID as well. But even before, like I was tired, man. Like, yeah, like I was loving it for sure. But. I was really, I was really tired. And yeah, me and Josh talked about it too. Like it could be like six days. Cause at first I was like, nah, this is just how it is. Like, this is tradition. Like it yeah. has to be 10 days. It's a festival, For money. Uh, you know, but it's like at the same time, yeah, it could be, it could be six days because there's that long, there's that long break in between each day. So they could definitely cond condense it, condense it down more. And it would be honestly more, it'd be kind of be more exciting, like for, for a fan, I feel like too. If we're willing to cut a few athletes out of those opening rounds too, we can get rid of a lot of prelims. What do you guys think of the European system of getting automatic buys into the semis? Like if you're ranked in the top 12, you don't have to run the first round. I think, I don't, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think, Aaron? You go, you go first, you go first. I was going to say, I mean, I think to a degree, it could be good, right? Like you're, you're building anticipation, right? These, these athletes, they ran super fast. So you give them a little buy to the semis, kind of like, you know, a world champion gets a wild card to the world championships already. Um, and, you know, if we can condense things by cutting some of these earlier rounds out and make it, okay, someone has a buy to the semis, we have fewer, you know, rounds that we have to go through. It just makes it a more intense, high energy you know, event. And now someone who might be a distance fan, now they're, you know, they watch the 15 and immediately after is, you know, the hundred meters or the 200 meters and they're seeing everything together. So that kind of mm. you know, interest. I don't know. That's, that's my kind of thought. I like the thought. I like what you're saying with like how it fits into the schedule events and affects the meet. Cause as a, a fan of distance, I like to see everyone run all of the races. Like I want to see them. It, it, that's definitely an advantage. Like if you run fast, mm -hmm. just go into the semis for distance because there's so much that could happen. And I love watching the, I like watching the prelims, like, especially at, at Worlds, because like anything can happen. So I see, I see where you're coming from, where it can align like events better, where it's like, you're watching a prelim and then boom, you're in the semis and this person's just getting in there. But that could also condense the meat. That could also condense the meat a little more. Well, so, all right. So I'm workshopping these ideas in my head. I'm not ready to, I wasn't coming prepared, ready to present them to the world, but um, I'm thinking out loud here. No bad ideas. You know how in the field events, if you throw or jump a certain mark, you automatically get through to the final. What if we did that in track events? Mm -hmm. To make people run fast? To make people run fast, or maybe you get to skip the semis or something. Like, what if I told you in the first round, if you ran 333, you don't have to run the semis? Would you want to do that? Would you're, you're, let's say you're at, you're at Worlds. Would you want to do that as an athlete? Would you want to go for that 330? I guess if you're Jacob, but. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, if Jacob's going for it, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I was going to say, it, it makes the race more honest now, right? And people aren't like, you know, you know, lollygagging around and they actually like, <laughs> we're just throwing ideas out. I don't know. I thought it was, you know, like, 
when Fred runs, you know, nine, it's like, stop, you don't need to run the semis. Like you're good. And like, maybe it's like really, really fast times that you have to do it. And only a few people maybe get that, but I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Wait, Joshua was saying people put in there in the new uh, repodge format, athletes who do not qualify by place in round one heats. Well, have yeah. a second chance to qualify for semifinals by participating in repodge. That was terrible. They're, they're introducing, I think, at the Olympics, right? Yeah. So then it's like you then have to if you don't make it into the semis, then you can run another round and then you're just going to be so tired for the semis like you're already one of the worser runners who wasn't able to get through right like and now you have an extra race like by the time if you even by some miracle make it to the final you have no shot yeah that's literally the opposite of what you were just suggesting (laughs) yeah i disagreed very strongly with that yeah and even you have a let's say in the 15 you run i don't know you run 300 meters and you you already see or 300 400 meters you see you're not in it you just like sandbag it, knowing yeah. you get a chance, right? You get you a bad heat. What if you get a bad heat and you're like, you know what? That's actually really interesting. Like, I don't want to race these guys. I, my, mm. This is death. I'm not even going to try. I'll just win the heat of all the slow guys the next day and make it that way. Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. Wow. wow. That hadn't even crossed my mind, but now it makes a lot of sense to do. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm not a fan of that. I mean, that and that's extending this. I don't know what the schedule would look like for that, but yeah, don't make it longer. Now it's going to be an 11 day championship. <laughs> but do you feel like? Do you all feel like? What because of COVID, we have like championship after championship, and like this year, like we were saying earlier, having Euros, Commonwealth, World Championships, Diamond Leagues. Do you feel like we're doing a good job of capitalizing on? everything that's going on this summer because this this especially like i was saying if you're in europe this might be the most exciting year in track and field in like a really really long time i will say from you know the metrics on sidious that engagement is really high right now Mm. and that's probably the best way that i could measure it is just you know are people liking a lot of posts are they interacting is there a lot of sharing and excitement going on that way Something that I do think we can collectively do a better job of as like, you know, fans and media and just the the powers that be is like, we gotta, we gotta continue to build up the stars. Like you can post a picture of Jakob sitting on the sidelines, just like looking at that, like, you know, nothing and people love it. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm not, I don't, I think it's dangerous when we build an entire sport around just Usain Bolt. I think that's a mistake, but there's, there's 10, 15 stars that you can diversify a little bit across events. And, you know, I think that we can continue to do a good job of building them up and make this storyline on them. And then, um, you know, that puts asses in seats. Most definitely. Anderson, how do you feel about that too with like, Cause you're, you cover all of those, all of those black nations from the Caribbean to countries in Africa too. Like, how do you feel like we can capitalize on some of the stories that aren't always told, told, but it's also a lot of the rising stars that are coming out of some of those nations that you're covering. Yeah. I think, you know, on both sides, kind of like what Kyle's saying, where, 
you know, covering some of the stars. So for example, in Nigeria with, you know, Toby breaking the world record, yeah, things have exploded in the country. And now there's like, you know, a lot of athletes who look to Toby and look to uh, like Essa Brume did well in the long jump. And they're like, I want to be like them. And that also, um, you know, that kind of motivates some of the other athletes who are just below them as well. So, you know, highlighting some of those top stars, but then also promoting some of the, you know, lower level, mid-level athletes, um, telling all their stories and kind of making it a cohesive kind of thing across different events can really try to promote the sport in various aspects, not only, you know, in the United States and across the world, of course, as well. Anderson, I, I got to ask you if the women's 400 at Worlds was one of the cooler moments for you. I mean, when you look at that podium, Bahamas, the DR, Barbados, like the total population of those three countries Crazy. combined to, to sweep. I mean, that must have been cool. I mean, good for your brand. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Though I will say I, I was a little biased. I wanted to leave the digs in, in the mix, but um, but no, it, it's it's crazy. Of course, Sean Amelowebo does her thing, but someone like Shade Williams from uh Barbados, you know, I had kind of been following her for a little bit for a couple months already. And seeing her get on the podium was like a really big deal. And yeah, like you said, these these nations that don't have so many um high populations but they have athletes really getting to the top is a big deal um even i think for the united states where you have you know someone like grant fisher right grant fisher is on the cusp of making it to the medal where the united states isn't as good in the you know longer distances but someone like grant fisher or some of the other athletes being in there really helps in general to just promote the sport as much as possible all right, so I've uh, I'm, I've been thinking out loud about this a lot, and I think a lot of people have. So in that 400, Femke Bowl just runs 49-4. Sydney split 47-9. Where do they fit in? <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Honestly, in the 400, I think, wow. This year, <sighs> if they were there. I think they get... So Shawnee Milowebo, I think she still wins gold. I think, think if they were, I think if Sydney was in the race with Shawnee Milowebo, Milowebo would have ran faster. That's what I think. And she would have won gold. I think Sydney would have uh, silver. Uh, Paulino was crazy though. Paulino was really fast. But I think Sydney could get silver and then Femme Kibble would have been battling it out for bronze. But I don't want to downplay the other 400 runners, but man, Sydney, Sydney's... Ugh. She's yeah. different. <laughs> but Miller Weibo, she's saying she's going to move back down to the two, though. Like, how do you see her matching up against Sharika when she's because she hasn't been focusing on her speed work as much, much, but she's built up all of this strength from the four that she's going to bring down to the two. We still haven't seen Fred Curley do his thing completely yet in the two, but I guess we're kind of going off track here, but I want to get your analysis analysis on that. Like, how fast do you think she could go? You, do you see, is she a real medal? Is she going to get a medal, like a gold medal, you think? <laughs> gold medal is tough. I mean, Shrika is like about to break the world record. So <laughs> I don't know. But I think Shauna Miloway, but she could do well in the two. She hasn't, she, she says she's never trained specifically for the 200, but her personal best is like 21.7. So she's already super fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she can get a medal. I don't know about gold medal. Sharika Jackson is crazy. But I'll, I'll also just say this kind of just going back to our other point with like, 
Cindy McLaughlin going into another event and Shauna Miller-Weibo going down to the two, right? Like to me, this is great for the sport. Like seeing yeah. these athletes like translating, I want to see a thing Mo in the 400. I want to see her double in the eight and the 400, right? Yeah, we didn't even talk about if she's in that podium too. <laughs> yeah. There is, and I, like, this is disrespectful, but I'm just saying that there is a world in which one of the races in the combo in which the podium is completely different. That, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just saying, like, you know, it was what what was the winning time at Worlds? Like I think it was 49-1 by Sean. Yeah. Like granted rounds, day of everything, but like I'm not saying that a thing can't run 49-1. No, I'm not saying that, that either. No. I wouldn't take that bet. No, definitely. Uh-huh. And and like you're saying, Anderson, it's great for the sport. There's so there's so many different stories in that. There's so much, you know, I always talk about in the NBA and NFL creating parity. Like there's so much parity in the sport. And I like where Sprints is going, where like someone like a Fred Curley is doing multiple like different events coming from the 400. I feel like we're going to see Norman do that eventually. And it could be a thing that a thing it could be a thing that a thing does in the future, too, just doing the 400 and that just you see it you see it a little bit you see it in track because eventually you got to move up to the I mean in distance because eventually you got to move up to that 10k and some people translate really really well to it especially if you're on Bowerman but to see that from the sprints I think makes it a lot more interesting to follow too I think these conversations and like we're always very hesitant because we want to be respectful of the athletes and their accomplishments. And I feel like, you know, there's a certain balance, but the speculation is really fun. And it's something that you would do in basketball and baseball yeah. and every other sport in the world. But in track, it's kind of like, we don't do it as much, but it's, I think it's, I think it's a fun conversation to have. And maybe one day we get the answer, maybe not, but you know, we're still battling about like who would win random all timers NBA five versus five and every day. Yeah, <laughs> but um yeah no I, I i think that there's a chance we'll see some of these matchups next year but uh kyle moving moving forward getting closer to the end of the podcast i want to talk more about the lab count like since yeah. you started that man like it's became you know it's a part of it's a part of running culture people reading i feel like um newsletters were around but i feel like you brought it to an audience that wasn't really you know accustomed to them as much really what have you since it developed how do you feel about the development of lab count and like has is there anything that has really surprised you about how it's grown yeah i would say i didn't think i would be writing as much as i am every week like when it first started it was really short blurbs two sentences this is what's happening click this link if you want to like learn more and now I'm writing like a few thousand words every week and, you know, still running out of space. Like if I had the room to write more, I could. And so I, I think that's, um, you know, a couple of things. I think one, there's way more to the sport than everyone realizes. Mm-hmm. And I also think that there's a hunger for it. And a lot of people didn't necessarily think that they had an appetite for it, but now that it's being presented to them, that you know, they're really enjoying it. I mean, if I ever send out, um, you know, an issue five minutes late, then I get text being like, where's the lap count this week? Where's the lap count? So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a good time. And I feel like it's still a little bit underground right now. It's kind of like a speakeasy of sorts, like only those in the know. But we're, we're trying to get it out. But I think that's what makes it really cool. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like people like my girlfriend will be like, oh, yeah, like Kyle said this on the victory on um, not victory lap on lap on lap count. But I am subscribed to the victory lap, too. When did you there, have the yeah. idea to idea to get the victory lap? Yeah, um, I mean, it, I there used to be like track shark, uh, which, you know, did these interviews and there's just not like a consistent source of athlete interviews anymore. And so finding a way to do that, to also help support elite athletes, I just thought it was a really cool combo. It, you know, it, it helps promote the lap count and the athletes and puts a little bit of money in their pocket. So, I mean, that's Mac doing the interviews and he does a wonderful job with it. How do you like, continuously innovate i mean um especially with a younger generation who's always on instagram tiktok or whatever but how do you like kind of grab them but also innovate something like the lap count to you know bring in new fans yeah i think a lot it's feedback like tell me what's working what you like and what you don't like and sometimes the worst weeks are when i think i like wrote a masterpiece and then i get no reaction it's like no one shared that at all like I worked really hard on that. I thought that was special. I thought that was really going to resonate. And then it doesn't. It's like, all right, you know, maybe that's too stat heavy. People aren't ready for that yet. Um, Or, you know, the thing that I think gets the most traction always is the stories that people didn't know. So like, you know, the the stuff no one's talking about. And that's sometimes could be hard to find or dig. And I know that that's, you know, definitely your world, Anderson. Like, but when when a diehard track fan, when you can surprise them about something that they didn't know, um, I think that's really unique. And then also just explaining the really confusing aspects of the sport that just like, what's going on? Or like, what happened? Like, why did the long jumper not win the medal? Like how <laughs> at Europeans, like how did that all play out? And so, um, you know, I, I try in every week to give a little something for everyone, but I, I, I'm trying to elevate the knowledge base of the sport uh, and like there's a lot of fun stuff going on let's make sure everyone knows it did you did you always feel like I mean because you you always have had a voice in the sport I feel like but now your voice your voice is loud like people make I'm the only Instagram one pages about yeah. your about your Twitter is that you is that you on that yeah. Twitter on that no on that Instagram that's, yeah, that's not, about your Twitter <laughs> no you know I think um you know, there, as we're saying, like, we're doing this from a point of passion, like, and it's not that competitive of a space right now. Like there aren't that many people that are pumping out content as consistently, um, you know, and that doesn't mean that there's not the audience for it. It's just that it's, um, you know, it's a lot of work, but if you enjoy the process, then it's, it's well worth it. Closing out. Yeah. Here we just got a couple uh quick hitters for you. One question I wanted to ask too, like, what would you say this year? What's been your favorite story to write about on the victory lap or the lap count that surprised you? You didn't think you would come across it, but yeah. Yeah, there was a this this one Sudanese athlete who got caught in Tokyo before the Olympics, and you know there was a few of them from the Sudanese national team. They basically headed over there early ahead of the Tokyo Olympics. And then 
got caught during the pandemic and were like taken in by like the locals and the, the, the local coaches and teams all were there supporting them. And they basically had like a two year training camp unable to go home. And, you know, I don't know how I came across that. Uh, sometimes people send me stuff and I just thought that was one of the cool stories. And I was like, why, this is like a movie. Yeah. Why is no one aware of this? So stuff like that, I think is always really special. Or if I can identify an athlete who's running really well before the rest of the world realizes. Because like I spend a lot of time just going through random results and like these small meets that no one knows about. And sometimes it's like, ooh. And if I can even just say their name and then, you know, six weeks later they're blowing up and um that's always fun for me. I I'm the same way, man. You never you could do that. It's like I, it's like music for me. Like Yeah, I saw the band before they were cool. Exactly, exactly. It's like, <laughs> man, I told you I put you on this guy. Like I was trying to tell yeah. you to listen. Oh, you blown up. Like I definitely, I definitely feel that. I got a question for both of y'all though. If you could transport back in time to watch any race, which race would it be? Anderson, you wanna you wanna get us first though? Ooh. If I could transport back, watch any race. Any race, be at any track meet, race. Ooh. I would go back. I wish I was in Atlanta, 1996, to watch Michael Johnson. Yeah. That's a great answer. Like, I was, I don't know, I think I was like five or six years old or something like that. So I, I didn't even know like what track was. But when I watched like that video back, I just see like thousands of, you know, cameras going off. And it's just like, the, the energy just seemed crazy. I wish I could have been there. Um, I think maybe like an old Oslo Dream Mile. That's like one of the races mm -hmm. that I really, really want to go to still on my, my list. Um, I always think like one of the coolest stories is the time the, the rabbit Tom Byers ran away from like the absolutely star studded field and like won the damn thing. <laughs> like it was supposed to be i think a world record attempt or something and then the rabbit ended up winning like being there for one of those years would be really cool or just one of the years when which like the world record did go down and everyone ran national records or something but um not an olympics or something but that's that's like the one race that i have to go to before i die i would say for me I, it would be jesse jesse owens in that olympics he has the same birthday as me so he's my first like track athlete that i like knew of and stuff too so yeah that'd be crazy see him win all those medals and everything um but another question i got for you are you looking this is this is this question from joshua he said are you looking for redemption in the media 800 at budapest 23. <laughs> I, I wish that they did it on the first day i'm not saying that i could have run 153 but by like day eight i was so tired I think I had a 155 in me and like, I'm, I'm only going to get slower from here. <laughs> you were, you were killing it out there. You were like going for it. I was in, I, I was in the middle of a work day too. Like I hopped on a call before and after. Oh my know, gosh. Like, you know, I was not, I, yeah. You know, I, I wasn't entirely happy with my performance. I wanted a tiny bit more. Bro, a respect for, I, I was like, nah, I'm good. That was the day I, the day I, that was my last day too. So I was not feeling good, but also yeah. I was like, I do not want to go out there and run 206 and then not be able to walk for the rest of the time I'm here. So yeah, that's why, that's why I didn't really uh, run. 
but also we talked about real the real main like can we get like a real main reunion i mean we could do that on this podcast y'all could do that on sidious or something see where everyone's at what you're doing i'm brain i'm brainstorming i got some i think i haven't even pitched this to anyone yet so um hopefully you know there would be some interest but i i think like a podcast series or something just like an oral history yeah that would be fire that would be so fire so we'll see stay tuned do you have a uh do you have a dream interview that you would want with somebody dude michael johnson was definitely one of my dream interviews for sure i thought that was one of the cool i mean he everyone knows he's fast but he is smart as hell and Mm -hmm. had like has great ideas for the sport um so that was that was really great and then we got a chance to talk to seb co twice and he's like i mean if i could be in his shoes that's like the ultimate dream but he's definitely you know he's he's a little bit of a politician which we know like you know if you're gonna be in that role and so my dream interview would be to get beers with him off the record i like that uh, no recording no anything like and we we joked and now at the end of each interview like next time we'll, like we'll do it we'll get some beers and he'd offered it actually this past time at worlds but i want to do it no cameras i just want to hear him talk i want to hear him tell stories and like tell me how he really feels yeah there's so much you can soak up from a legend like that anderson what's your what would you say your dream interview is oh man dream interview um I I wish I could sit down with um, with Tommy Smith. I I I met him at World Championships. I got to talk with John Carlos, but Tommy Smith I wasn't able to like sit down and talk with. That, that would be wild. That would be amazing. Bro, that event was that event was cra- crazy to see them like yeah. in the flesh. It's like, bro, like y'all are really like I icons, real life superheroes. Like I that literally. Was, literally wow <laughs> well, well, yeah when i saw them for the first time like at the event i was like am, am i really here like is this happening it's like what so yeah that was crazy for me though i'm gonna say this one because this i know this one's gonna happen soon too we need to get bernard lagat like that was my guy oh come on that's doable yeah that's very doable and that's i'm like, like <laughs> i feel like lagat does not get his just Dude, bro, people forget this man won the five and the 15 at Osaka in 2007. That's like my first memory world of a world champs. Like this dude is really like the GOAT of American distance running. And I don't feel like he gets his respect. Then he ran like 212 in a marathon. Like what? At like 40 years old, like bro, like he he doesn't win gold every single time, but he has a, a ton of medals. We. He, we don't have anybody winning the 15 and the 5k or even meddling in both. Like, who was the last person to, to meddle in both at a world? Well, Jakob couldn't do it, Jakob yeah. couldn't win both. It's so hard to do that. It's like this dude is crazy. Like, the first time I've met him like twice, the first time I met him, that's the only person I've ever really been like super like starstruck like that. I was like, dang, it's oh, I guess I would say the same with Tommy and John, but. Bernard Lagat almost even like Bernard Lagat was my icon for running, bro. Yeah, I, I met him in an elevator. And I was like, wait, should I should I talk to them? My friend was like, yes, bro. What are you doing? That was and that was that was pretty dope. So Bernard Lagat, if you're listening, man, we need you. We need you on here, bro. We need you on, Kip. But um, uh, Kyle, can I get some a hot take for you for this uh, this cross country season or 
track season what hot takes do you got for us you just want like a, a general hot take i want a general hot take i want a general i want a hot take you know because cross country is coming up or i want a hot take for cross country for you and then like for anderson since diamond league we're about to close out you know what i mean i want a hot take about some of these sprint races we have coming up i mean this isn't like that hot of a take or it could be it could be a marathon take too a marathon a marathon here's my here's my here's my normal take just like a, a prediction and then yeah. a little bit bolder um i think caitlin too is now going to be like so dominant in cross country it's game over again like i think it's it's mm. it's like a few years ago in high school it's not even close like she's going to be head and shoulders above everyone um but i will say my my hotter take is like we're gonna start seeing ivy league teams on the podium at ncaa cross again real soon it's been years years any, is there any team specifically are you just saying generally i mean princeton's like probably lined up to do the best but i just think in general the way the ivy league and the nil and the the financial aid and the type of athletes they're getting now like i i think that it's gonna the it's gonna become a thing soon here i like that i i agree with you with caitlin tui like i think she definitely is her like this last season she took that next step to where it's like all right she's used to it she's used to it now like it's not even gonna be close anymore it's like it's would would you say the same about do you see that future for nico for nico young not no not necessarily just because there's a lot of good guy like i i'm not saying he can't win he might win yeah yeah, but yeah. yeah. i mean his own team like you gotta beat them <laughs> anderson what do you got for us for these diamond league races coming up the diamond league um man there's a there's a lot and especially on the sprint side i don't know if it's a super hot take but i mean i think i think shrika jackson is going to break the 200 meter world record before this season is up. I, I think she's gonna do it. I don't know if it's gonna be the Diamond League final or if it'll be at another meet that's like super low key, but I think she's gonna do it. And I think she's very capable. That's, um, yeah, I mean, she, she's just been killing it and her, she seems super relaxed, like when it comes to things. So yeah, she's probably, I think she could break the 200 meter world record this season before it's up. I could I I mean I could see that that'd be crazy. Do you see Noah getting getting any closer? Do you see him PRing again this year? I don't know, but we'll we'll see. He might PR. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. He has the potential for sure. Then um Kyle, we always ask this question. Um well, last question of the podcast. I'll I'll frame it into two. First is who should we have on the next podcast? that you would recommend? And then lastly, like, what mark do you want to leave on the sport? All right, I'll answer second first. I think it, it started to happen. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I want to be better. Put this. <laughs> I didn't see that you I, I want to be. Oh, go ahead. That, no, that's why I wrapped up real quick. <laughs> the, the, I definitely want to, and I think it's happening. I want to be better known for my, like, commentary analysis, the stuff I'm doing after my career than my career. I think it's starting to happen like i'm you know that stuff it, it, the longevity of that um and i think the overall value could hopefully be greater than you know what i did competing so that's that's the goal working towards it um because i think that helps bring in new fans and better fans and then in terms of 
who you should have on next. Who, who, you know, I just spoke to him and I think he's just always a riot is like Eric Jenkins. Like he is, I spoke to him for the lap count this week and he's just, he always gets me. So, you know, next time Eric pops a big one, you gotta, you gotta have him on to celebrate. I got that. Yeah. I would love to have him on. I, I, if he comes on, he has the freestyle rap though. So there you go. Yeah. I would love to have him, but thank you, Kyle, for coming on. We appreciate you. If y'all don't already, go subscribe to the lab count and Victory Lab. Go follow the final leg on YouTube and follow Track and Field Black History on Instagram. Anderson, appreciate you for jumping in for Joshua with his wisdom teeth. Joshua, do you want to hop on and say anything? You were kind of in the background. Okay, he doesn't. He doesn't want to hop on. But thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time on Two Black Tuesday. And maybe Joshua will be with us. Maybe he won't. But appreciate y'all.